Hi and welcome to the St Saviour's Finsbury Park podcast. Our vision is to be a church alive in God's love to serve the city. And we hope this teaching helps you to know God and serve him more wherever you've been uniquely placed. Let's jump in. This song, to kick this song off this morning, because it is because I believe here at, the, at St Saviour's, That Jesus is saying to us in this season, I will remember you. Will you remember me? Or to put it in the words of Jesus in the book of John, in the New Testament, in that passage we just had, remain in me as I remain in you. Let's take a moment to pray. Lord Jesus, we ask that by your Spirit, you would come and speak to us now. Come and minister to us. Uh, Lord, would you um, use my words, um, turn them into something um, that is of you, uh, that speaks to us now. Help us to um, hear what it is that you're saying to us this morning. In your name, amen. So, okay, this talk is the final in a sermon series we've been on over the last few weeks called Depth in a Time of Growth. And we're here at St. Saviour's in a time of growth. Three and a half years in, uh, coming up to four, we've we relaunched St. Saviour's. All of us, we've all been part of this journey of rekindling what's been going on, what God has called St. Saviour's to. And it's been an amazing time, but there have been challenges as we've sought to grow in all God's calling us to. But we've also seen um, beautiful fruit coming out of what he's been doing in and amongst us. And in order for us to step into all that God is calling us to as a church and as individuals, we need to have a rooted depth in Jesus to sustain and empower the growth that he's calling us to, to bear fruit by his spirit. So today's talk is really a a reflection a summary of all that we've been looking over over the last few weeks. And if there's one thing I want you to remember, this is it, this is the, the thing you're going to go away with, and you can remember Sarah McLachlan. I will remember you. You got it? I, I can't sing it in her, her range or whatever. I'm not doing it justice. But will you remember me? Jesus says, remain in me as I will remain in you. Will you remember me as I remember you? So to do this, we're looking at this passage in John 15, the vine and the branches. Now, I just want to start with uh, a quick story. Uh, When I was uh, about uh, 20 years old, I'd moved from um, South Africa uh, here to, to London And I thought I was just going to be for a year, but it landed up being more than that. I'm still here now, obviously. And um, when I left South Africa, I was like, um, just go with me on this this, uh, analogy. (laughs) I was like a a, a flourishing plant. And I had lots of fruit. I had a family around me, friends who I'd grown up with who were close to me. I'd finished school and, and got through it okay. You know, I had uh, lots of prospects before me. And there was, there was lots of fruit. Some stuff in me obviously was not great, but there was lots of good stuff as well. But when I came over uh, to the UK, to London, I spent a gap year, and I suddenly realized that I was going to spend longer uh, here. God was calling me. I felt like, you know, obviously I'm going to be spending a longer time here. Uh, I landed up in... Um, 
a, a house share. I was renting a room I could barely afford. I had next to no possessions of my own, really. And I was in a job that was terrible for me and, and just, like, not a great job. And looking back, I can see that there was a, a period before I came to the UK where I was full of fruit and flourishing. And coming over to London, suddenly I was in this place where I was extremely stripped back, pruned, cleansed, lots of things stripped away. But in that moment, I felt, um, and I've had it in other moments in my life, a deep calling to remember Jesus, just as he was remembering me, to remain in him, just as he was remaining in me. And so every morning, and this is not like me, and it wasn't like me then, but I would wake up at six o'clock. I know Matt Seymour does it. I, I don't do it. Um, I would wake up at six o'clock in the morning, and in my sparse, cold bedroom, I'm just laying it on here, but this is how it was. I would reach over to um, my book, uh, which was Every Day with Jesus. I don't know if anybody had that book way back when. And it was a, a scripture and a, and a little unpacking. And that was my way of just, Lord, I remember you. Lord, will you remain in me? And, and from that, that pruning that time, I can see that obviously fruit began to come again. Life began to come again. And every time in my life where there's been a significant loss or, or, uh, um, or, or challenge, I felt that call again. Will you remember me? I will remember you. And that's what I want to kind of unpack today. So... There's this beautiful image in the passage about a vine and, and branches and fruit. Now, I'm no gardener. Firstly, we don't have a garden. And secondly, though we have a bunch of houseplants, uh, they usually land up dead or dying slowly. Uh, I thought about bringing one today, but it was, it was just too pathetic to even do that. Uh, but my hub group members who come over will can, can attest to uh, the state of my houseplants. But even as a poor gardener, I know that to cultivate a healthy plant, it needs watering, it needs feeding, and especially during seasons of growth and often significant pruning, it needs to be cultivated so that it can flourish and bear even more fruit. And I understand that it's, a, it's the same with a vine, okay? I'm just going on what others have told me here, uh, but it's the same with a vine. In order to produce delicious, sweet grapes, to be uh, all that that vine can be, to make a um, beautiful drink from it. The vine needs to be pruned back. It needs to be cultivated to get the best out of those grapes. If you let it run wild, a vine, it'll produce lots of grapes, but they'll be sour and horrible and, and, and of very pure, uh, poor quality. But when you prune it, all that energy stimulates gorgeous, gorgeous grapes. And so in the passage today, Jesus uses this imagery to describe to his disciples how important it is to remain in him, to remember him. Firstly, verse 1, Jesus says, I am the true vine. And in verse 7 and 8, Jesus says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. 
Now, this is rich imagery within Jewish tradition and the Old Testament. And I want to quickly just unpack some of this imagery so we can begin to grasp and understand what Jesus is saying here. Firstly, in the creation narrative of Genesis 1 and 2, the story of how the world was made, uh, God creates heaven and earth, and he creates humanity, and he places them in a garden, a perfect garden, uh, the Garden of Eden. And God blesses creation and humanity to be, anybody want to tell me what? To be fruitful. Yes, you're on the right track, to be fruitful. Remember, God's, co- uh, God's blessing evolves a privileged imp- intimacy between God and that which he is blessing. And here, creation and humanity are intimately connected to God, the source of all life and love. Why? To be fruitful. And when we produce fruit, it glorifies God. To be fruitful is a glorifying of God. And now when we talk about fruitfulness here, we mean all areas of our lives. Flourishing. I'm talking about Uh, I'm not talking about prosperity mentality here. I'm talking about flourishing as human beings, as image bearers of God, as people uh, flourishing into everything that God intends us to be. A Jesus likeness. And that overspills into everything that we do. Our work, our hobbies, our families, our relationships, etc. And the Bible uses this imagery. Uh, We see lots of images of this uh, throughout the Bible, through Scripture, of bread and wine. Grapes that become wine or fruit. They're brought together and produce something truly beautiful. Or or the bread with the flour and the oil and the yeast. Uh, This bread here that we're going to have at communion. I made that. It's going to be delicious. Uh, We're going to enjoy it later. But that is a small sign of, of flourishing, creation, coming into its fullest potential. And this is the picture of God's blessing over creation and over humanity. We're not called just to be, but to grow and bear fruit. We see a picture of this in the creation narrative on the seventh day, what this looks like, Sabbath. The day when creation, full of uh, ripening potential, ready to burst out, dependent and resting in the blessing of God's fruitfulness. So when we look at fruitfulness in this passage, this is what we're talking about. Life to the full as God intends. We know in chapter 3 of Genesis, um, you can go and read it, the fall of creation. Humanity turns and chooses to turn away from remaining in that blessing of fruitfulness and the purpose for creation that God has. But God's plan is immediately to redeem his fallen creation to bring it back to his realm of blessing, of fruitfulness, of life. And this leads to my second point of imagery that we're seeing in this chapter. When Jesus describes himself as the vine, this is rich Jewish um, uh, imagery in in the Jewish tradition. The vine was an image of God's purpose to restore his blessing of fruitfulness to the world. Firstly, in the people of Israel, And then ultimately, in Jesus himself, his life, death, and resurrection. That is why we say, uh, Jesus is saying, I am the true vine. Whenever God blesses, it's always intended to overflow as a blessing to others. 
And Jesus comes to bring his blessing of fruitful life where there is death. And as his followers, as branches attached to that vine, he bears, he bears fruit through us and does the same. That's why in verse 4 and 5 of the, of the reading today, Jesus says, No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. This whole picture isn't one of an angry Um, hateful, vindictive God, cutting off branches with a big chainsaw. It's the opposite. It's a beautiful image that states the obvious. The gardener, with great care and love, is tending to his vine so that it will bear the most beautiful of fruits. So the pressing question for us is how? How do we remain attached to Jesus? How do we remember him? How do we, we've used words like dwell. How do we abide? How do we live in Jesus? And to use more gardening terminology, how do we cultivate relationship with Jesus? And so I want to draw three practical steps we can take uh, from this passage. And the first is adoration, worship, Adoration. In verse 9 and 10, Jesus says, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. Let's not lose our first love of Jesus. We are called into communion with the living God. We love because he first loved us. You are loved by God in utter abundance and grace. Jesus doesn't give the option to only engage with him on an intellectual level. He says, remain in my love. This is where it all begins. Love is the motivation for creation. And God so loved the world that he gave his only son that we would believe and have fruit, life. It's the same thing. Our response must be to engage on this heart level encountering the love of Jesus and responding to that love. It's relational, not transactional. We must allow our eyes and our hearts to open to the encounter of an almighty and majestic God of love. Now, this still sounds quite abstract. How do we do this? Uh, Hebrews 4.11 says this, Make every effort to enter the Sabbath rest of Jesus. Remember, Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath, that image of of, of beautiful, flourishing garden at the beginning of creation, dependent and resting in God's blessing of fruitfulness. Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath, and we are called to make every effort to enter that. Our effort, our work, the work of our faith, if I can even put it like that, means making Jesus our first love above all else, giving time and space, patience and effort to cultivating our attention with a heart response towards him, to love him as he loves us. Lord, right now, would you help us to do that? Lord, would you reveal your love to us that we can respond in love to you? This means refusing to allow even the most pressing uh, things in our life 
to take precedence over Jesus. Work, practical problems, even sin and failure. This is really important. Even sin and failure we cannot allow to come in the way to distract from opening ourselves to the love of God. As soon as we do, we're cutting ourselves off. Worship and adoration is the core practice. It's the first commandment. Love God. And the prerequisite for being able to then practice it to others, loving neighbor. Only when we are filled to the brim with God's love can we presume to offer his spirit and his fruit of life to others. I love this from Evelyn Underhill, an Anglican uh, contemplative who's been, uh, who's been uh, kind of driving me a little bit crazy as if I'm reading her book. She says this, The remedy for desperate spiritual exhaustion is an inner life governed not by petition, but by adoring prayer. It's that heart response rather than that intellectual response. It's that responding in love rather than responding in need. That's what comes first. And in this series, we've been exploring different ways as a church that we can cultivate our, our adoration to Jesus. Um, and I just want to, uh, if you go to the next slide, just show um, this little simple diagram of uh, the four ways as a church that, you know, if you will, a trellis <laughs> to support the branches. Um, obviously, come to church. We are the body of Christ. Remain in, in me, Jesus says, so, so come to church. You're doing well. You're here today. Well done. Um, but make it a priority. When you're not present, you're missed. Uh, secondly, we've talked about this so much, uh, but hubs and dwell groups. Um, these are secondary levels of, of more intimate um, friendship making, community making, and discipleship of Jesus. Learning about scripture, studying scripture, and then prayer and accountability, accountability growing together. I could do um, a whole talk on this, this next one, personal devotion, um, but I can't. <laughs> Uh, I can't today, <laughs> basically. That, it's, that's been the best response I've had from you so far. <laughs> You're like, thank goodness. Um, how do we open ourselves up to Jesus on a daily basis? How do we stir, stir up that adoration? And I just want to share some tools that I've found and many others and the history of the church has found really helpful to make this happen. Firstly, the dwell reading plan. It, you know, we've talked about it so much, but you can download the PDF online or the book is at the back. It guides you through how to read scripture and then helps you unpack it. A Bible in One Year app by Nikki Gumbel. Um, you can take photos of these if you want. Uh, this is an amazing app that helps you. You don't need to read the whole Bible in a year. You could just read a Psalm or an Old Testament or a New Testament, and then he, he unpacks it for you and then guides you in prayer. It's unbelievable. Um, the short, you can choose even like express version, and in, un, in under 10 minutes, you can, you can cultivate this adoration of Jesus. This next book, Choose Life 365 by uh, Simon Gillibrod. It's 360 daily devotions. You can literally open it up. It's so easy. Scripture, unpacking and a guided prayer. Beautiful. Next one, in the Lord I take refuge, uh, 150 devotions based on 150 Psalms in the Bible by David Ortland. Um, just beautiful. You can unpack this over a day or two each day, finding that moment, that space. This is what I'm using at the moment, Divine Hours by Phyllis Tickle. It's a great name, Phyllis Tickle. Uh, this is... Um, <laughs> 
<laughs> this is uh, basically uh, helps you take four times through the day, morning, afternoon, evening, and night, to just, again, scripture and a little bit of prayer. And uh, for me, in this season of my life, I found this the most helpful at the moment, just mark those different points in my day, have a little alarm on my phone. Now, obviously, some of you will be saying and thinking at this moment, Matt, you're ridiculous. I literally don't have a free moment in my life. My hands are full with babies, and I'm carrying um, responsibilities uh, 24-7. So I want to share this with you. Pete Gregg has this beautiful analogy of um, how he handled um, his adoration to Jesus on a daily basis when he had a newborn child. And he says this, that every time that his child needed his nappy changed, he would mark it as an opportunity to meditate and to pray. So literally, the child, uh, <laughs> go with me on this, um, the child uh, needs, you know, goes to the toilet, nappy needs changing, and so as he tenderly and lovingly cares for his child, literally removing the crab, the poo from his child, he's saying, Lord, thank you that you care for me in the same way. Thank you that you, by your son Jesus dying on the cross for me, you remove the rubbish, the crap, the poo from my life, that you make me clean again. And then as he draws up his child in his arms and holds him, he says, Lord, thank you that you draw me into your arms and you hold me and you love me. Now that is a moment of cultivating adoration to Jesus right there. And even now, some of you are like, I'm feeling the Holy Spirit ministering to me in the room right now. It requires dedication. It requires discipline. It requires commitment. But the promise is that we will bear much fruit. This leads me to my second point. Don't worry, there's only three and they're going to be quick. Surrender. Adoration, now surrender. Verse 10 of the reading today. If you keep my command, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's command and remain in his love. Surrender and sacrifice. Offering ourselves in obedience to Jesus and his command is not something we do out of guilt or some effort to earn God's favor in response to his sacrificial love for us. We offer peacefully, calmly, with delight and joy, ourselves back to him. You should never feel uh, this is a burden, as a weight pressed down upon you. It's an invitation to respond. This is, it is costly, and it is deeply confronting to the idols that we are enslaved to in our lives. This is what Jesus means when he says, uh, to pick up your life, you need to first lay it down. Sacrificial love is not something we can give to Jesus from afar. Again, Evelyn Underhill, she says this, Our response to Jesus' call isn't made certain until it leaves the realm of ideas about him and, and enters the realm of action towards him. Jesus' call on us isn't made certain until it leaves the realm of ideas and enters the realm of action towards him. As we learned last week, God is calling us to step over this white line, the white line. Step out of our comfort zone. Try something different. Do something new. Follow the call of the Spirit. Shake it up. 
Honestly, shake it up. Let's shake it up. We'll see something amazing. Many of us, and I'm speaking for me as much as you, are caught up in sacrificing our time, our energy, and our very life to idols. We're in bondage to and addicted to things that only bring about numbness at best and at worst a slow decay that leads to death. Let's just take a moment here where we are. Lord, where are the areas in our lives that we need to surrender to you? Perhaps we're so bound by uh, these things that we can't even bear to admit it to ourselves. Jesus, would you come and prune and cleanse these areas of our life that we would not decay and die, but know your blessing of life and fruitfulness in our lives because of your love? Would you give us the courage and humility to acknowledge the help we need and the grace to receive it one step at a time as you lead us? Amen. And we'll have a moment to respond. We're going to respond in communion and then in prayer. Uh, but this may look like asking a trusted friend or a, prof- a professional for help. And uh, if you need to talk to anyone, please come and talk to us as a staff team or a, a hub leader uh, for help with this. A final point, Thanksgiving. In a moment, we're going to be celebrating uh, communion together. Uh, we're going to celebrate the Eucharist, which translates as Thanksgiving. We're going to remember in thanksgiving Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, that we would know his life and fruit. Verse 12 says this of the reading today. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. And earlier in John uh, chapter 6, Jesus says this, verse 56, Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in them. As we receive Jesus' life given for us, our response can only be thanksgiving. We come forward boldly, but in grace and compassion, knowing that we're unworthy. Of course we are. Yet all of us invited to receive his gift of love and life for us as beloved children of God. You are invited. And as we give thanks that Jesus has given himself for us, we literally take him into us. He comes into us. He remains in us in the eating of the bread and the drinking of the wine. We feed on him. And what happens? We grow. We grow. We begin to we begin to bear his fruit in our hearts and in our lives as we remain in him. And thankfulness turns to service. We are blessed to be a blessing. Turn to your neighbor and say that. You are blessed to be a blessing. Very good. (laughs) You're blessed to be a blessing. Um, You're blessed to be a blessing as the blessing of Jesus feeds us by his sacrificial love. We are empowered to follow his pattern, his Christ-likeness. We grow in fruitfulness to lay our own lives down for others in love, giving ourselves only as much as we receive from him to those around us and beyond in sacrificial love and service. 
as your spirit leads us. And sometimes this is just in very small, simple ways as we go about our daily lives. And sometimes it's massive, massive, costly sacrifice. Finally, verse 16 and 17 from today. You did not choose me, but I chose you, says Jesus, and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. As we remember Jesus, as we remain in him, we find he has remembered us and he remains within us. We respond and we cultivate through adoration, through surrender, and through thanksgiving. We are cleansed, we are pruned, we grow, and we bear fruit, all to the glory of God. As we come into a season of growth and bearing fruit, Lord, would, we, would you help us to grow in depth in remaining in you, and that very practically working out in our lives. We ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Let's stand. We're going to take a moment.